0: Somebody has to want to change. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've all tried to change aspects of our personality or things that we do or things that we don't do, but it comes from within. But the narcissistic personality cannot, there's such a fragile um, persona mm-hmm. that the only thing that happens is if they don't get their way, they collapse. Narcissistic injury. So they have to want to change, and they don't. And I've seen women leave and come back, leave and come back, and it just gets worse. Hmm.
1: What was it that Kit said? Or yeah, I'll just name him. Kit said to you about the clowns. Um, in the circus.
0: Oh, he said, "If you don't, if you're scared of clowns, stop going to the circus." Is that the one?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I mean, that's, okay. re, that's sound advice, yeah. reasonable yeah. advice.
1: Yeah. Um, wow, that's interesting.
0: Hmm. We nice. have a friend with very many good sayings.
1: Nice. Yeah, just all these aphorisms and wisdom. Yeah. And he said, if you're scared of clowns, why do you keep going to the circus?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, classic. Good yeah. stuff. I like it. Yeah. And your ex, you know, I'm not going to get sued because his name's not in this. He was a clown, is a clown. Um. Okay, so you're in this relationship, you know. When did you... So talk about like kind of feeling trapped. Like when did you realize like, uh uh-oh, I'm in this for the long haul? And then what did you do to kind of cope with that?
0: Well, um, when we went on our honeymoon, um, one thing that at least the narcissist that I was involved with is there's a lot of... um, It's a form of gaslighting, but it's changing their minds. So. I might say, let's use the trip to Vegas again. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to go eat at this particular casino. So I need you to print the directions to this casino because back then there was no GPS. Right, sure. um, And then he said, but I've heard this casino's good. So your mind says, then we're going to this one. And then they say, but this one, but this one, and they keep going back and forth. So you print the directions to the one you were told to print the directions to. And when you head there, you head them to that one. And they're like, I told you we were going to the other one.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I don't know if I'm just misremembering this, but I think there was like a story where you guys like got on a, in a plane and like landed and like he hit the tarmac. He's like, never mind, I want to go home. Pretty much. So,
2: so they, they plant a seed of uncertainty to open a door for an opportunity to be upset at
0: the mm-hmm. wrong Exactly, choice. exactly. So um, we're going on our honeymoon and I was kept being told this name of this town. And so, again, there was no phones and stuff back then. And so I printed out the directions. We get to the town. All hell breaks loose. Mm. It's the wrong town. And I'm like, and I screwed up again. But this is right, like, we went on our honeymoon a month after we got married. And already. I
1: don't know if y'all heard this, but my eyes just rolled almost out of my head. Down so, the street, down the street. <laughs> it's on the news right now. There's a news cycle about it. It made the national news because this motherfucker. Ah, I hate this guy. Wow, wow, wow. Anyway, oh, you're good. Yeah. So, um, so
0: that was kind of the beginning. Yeah. Actually, so
1: you're seeing that. How did you feel? Was it like dread, or was it just like hope that it wouldn't cha- that it would change? Or well, what?
0: I felt dread and I felt ashamed. Hmm. There was a lot of shame, and this is a very shame based um, experience because you kind of keep going. How could I be this stupid? (sighs) Yesterday I was smart and now I'm stupid. You know? And um, yeah, you feel a lot of shame because you're getting a lot of blame for everything. Even stuff that you don't even have anything to do with.
2: Yeah, I I know a couple people who are in relationships where they they feel that very same thing, right? Because mm-hmm. they hear from their friends or family like, what are you doing? Why are you still with this person? Like, what are you doing? And, you know, of course, that at the end of the day when all the lights are off and they have the thoughts with themselves like, damn, what the f- what what hell am fuck? I doing? Yeah. And, and then yeah. there's that, that moment of like, okay, well, I need to, something has to change. But then we we then just get so comfortable with the cycle right it's it's too difficult to want to make these huge massive changes that we we're not even sure is going to work so let's just continue with the abuse
0: and it's terrifying to think about leaving and what could blow mm-hmm. and what terrible things could blow and my my departure story is i'm going to i'm a person of faith and it is a miracle
1: yeah and, hey, we respect, like, your coping skills, you know, mm-hmm. You know, if you're a person of faith, you know, and that's what helps you. But um, I want to comment, too. It's like, I think, like, I don't know, I'm, I'm living in, like, a grove of, like, narcissist relationship trees. They're, like, all around me, you know, just because, like, everybody, you know, and I just want to take an ax to all those motherfuckers and just chop the root of the tree, you know, like Paul Bunyan or something. But
0: And you, I think you asked one day, why do I feel like I'm surrounded? And I think the more aware you become... The more you realize, when you're not when you're unaware, you don't know that this particular president or um, this particular individual, you, you know something's off, but you don't really know what's wrong with them. But once you become aware, you're like, wow, there are a lot of <laughs> people with this issue. So
1: yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of like, yeah you just realize something, something like comes into your mind and you just wake up and you're like, Oh fuck. Like the things are fucked up over here. I don't know why, but they are. So. And
0: also your boundaries. Um, if you've been surrounded, your ba- your boundaries kind of start. It's like those um, spidey senses
1: mm, right, because right.
0: then you're extra sensitive. Um, right after I left, I had made a friend at work and all of a sudden, you, your self-esteem is in the toilet because mm-hmm. you let this happen and you're out and you're this and you're that, and you could jump right into something, right. and I came close, and your mom saved me.:
2: oh, Wow. So real quick, your departure story. Mm-hmm. Um, what was like what was that? like what was the day like for you, the, the 24 hours, like the last day of being in this house versus the first day of my freedom? What was
0: that? Um, let me... I may have to make it a little longer than a day.
1: Please, please do. Okay. Go, let's go back to <laughs> the, like, last, the, last, the you're, week. You're right? in there yeah. like halfway through the well, relationship, you know, and you realize kind of... I it want had out, right? to do
0: with the pandemic. Yeah. The, oh. the opportunity to go had to do with the pandemic.
2: Well, divine intervention.
0: So the pandemic started and um, this person is very paranoid hmm. and was very afraid of the the virus. Okay. And it got to the point where um, I couldn't even go out in the yard by myself, like in the yard. Um, Any food that was delivered or anything that was delivered had to sit in the garage for um, a week. But if you're ordering fresh groceries, that's not going to work. Right, right. And so, I mean, it just got to the point where, you know, I would do whatever, you know, we wash everything with soap, we put it in bleach, we, you know, all these things.
2: Extreme paranoia.
0: Yeah, Um, and then I had some things, um, that I really needed that were in the garage and he kept putting Mm -hmm. me off and putting me off and putting me off. You can't go get them. You can't have them. You can't, but I couldn't go outside by myself. Now you might think I'm a grown up woman. Why can't I go out? But. So
2: I wanted to also touch on the, uh, the biopsychosocial perspective um, as to why people would seek therapy, especially being in the. This is what we in social work call the multidimensional framework um, because, you know, as we are humans, we have the biological, right, the biophysical, what's going on with us. And then that also affects how we think about things, right? Like, how, ooh, am I feeling okay? Like, ooh, my stomach hurt. I can't go in today, boss. Or, And then we've also got the social aspect, right? So someone who feels isolated in their social realm or if they feel like... People around them are doing too goddamn much, like or <laughs> whatever it may be. Like there's there's many different reasons as to why someone would seek therapy. Um, and I just want that to, I just wanted to have that like on record because I don't want to just have people say, oh, only yesterday is only talking about the the brains. What what about the rest of us? What about the rest of our bodies? Like yo, we, I want to talk about it all.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh my gosh, the effects anxiety has on my body are insane. People don't even realize the physical effects that come out of some of your mental health issues. It's, it's mm-hmm. insane. Like I'll be talking to my therapist and I'm like, man, I'm always feeling this way and that way. She's like, yeah, it's, it's because you have really high anxiety. You know, your anxiety is the reason why these things are happening within your body. I'm like, no way for, are you kidding me? Like, it's not <laughs> just in my head. It has to be in my body too. Come on, you know, mm-hmm. or the hyper hypervigilance that comes with PTSD. That one gets me, man.
2: Yeah. That I'm was- like,
3: I can feel my heart beating.
1: <laughs> can like,
3: why can I feel my heart beating? And it's because I'm hyper-focused on my body because I have medical anxiety, you know? And so I'm like, am I okay? Like, why is my eye twitching? Why is, you know, like my heart slowed down? What's going, you know, like you're just way too in tune to things. And that's another effect. I hate the hypervigilance. vigilance
2: yeah, it's no fun. No, absolutely not. <sighs> yeah. So how has therapy helped you? Oh, man. So you said giving you coping skills. Like, how else has it helped?
3: Oh, Therapy changed my life. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, I used to talk to Alex about everything, and Alex has a really good perspective, and he has coping mechanisms and things like that that he would try to give me, but it he was in it with me. So mm-hmm. having his perspective on it while it's outside, it's still inside. And so I feel like it wasn't helping me as much because from him, it feels like judgment. Because he knows how to cope, he knows, you know, so going to therapy for me, I was able to, in a safe, non-judgmental space, having someone that has no idea who I am, no idea of the players in the game, you know, like, any of this, I'm able to really express. And she gave, like, I, like I said, I had no idea how to identify my emotions at all, you know, and I went through a period of, like, rage and like I could taste my rage, you know, and she would help me through the rage. Like it's, I had no idea how to communicate prior to having therapy. So I really didn't realize how much of a toxic person I was being to the people around me because I was unable to communicate how I was really feeling. So almost everything was like one-sided because I wasn't able to give of myself at all. Hmm. And that, and then I would just shut down if there was like, an overload of emotion that I didn't know how to handle, I would just shut down, you know, which also isn't fair to the people around me because they depend on me as well. I can't just be taking from people, you know? So while I've always been a good and kind person, I was very toxic and it's not something that I was aware of until I went to therapy and it gave me The tools, and it's. I still six years later. I'm still in therapy. You know, I started out going twice a week, and now I go every other week. Down to that, but I still. And I am such a huge proponent of therapy now that, like, my sister's in therapy, and I helped get my other sister into therapy. We all have the same therapist. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, Um, she's great. Um, And then I'm really trying to talk to my dad and get him into therapy. He does go see, um, what are they called? A psychologist. He sees a psychologist every three months or so. Um, But my mom, she's the one, man. She needs therapy. Okay,
1: she's
3: the one that needs to go. And so does my dad. They both do. Um, My mom Mm -hmm. didn't have a rough childhood or anything like that. But going through... um, With my dad's addiction, she's always been the strong one, but she had a lot of shame and carried a lot of shame. And it was like she just kept it all in, you know, and Mm. didn't tell anybody and like suffered in silence and all of that. But it's kind of put her in a place now where she's an amazing woman, but she has a lot of resentment that she doesn't want to acknowledge. And she could also learn better ways to communicate. She's a very My way is right. Nothing else is right. Don't waste your time doing it that way, you know, kind of person. I'm like, Mom, but there's like, you know, (laughs) there's
2: other ways to do stuff, right? Yeah,
3: yeah. (laughs) You know, and just for my dad, he had a rough childhood growing up. Um, His dad was a a World War II vet that was a POW that escaped, Um, and he had severe PTSD, He also was diagnosed with schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. Um, So he was very verbally abusive, physically abusive, all of that. But it turns out he was my favorite person in the entire world because as soon as he had grandbabies, he got it it together. But he had gone to the VA a lot of times for mental health crises and things like that. My dad had to punch him in the face because he was getting – he was assaulting my aunt. My dad was like – no, you know, not, so... having that. Yeah, so he had a rough childhood, and I think it's... It would be important even now, like, the, their generation is kind of anti-therapy. Mm. Um, Like, we got this, we're mentally tough, we can, you know, but I feel like there's so many benefits to it of... You don't even necessarily have to open up your past, but maybe figure out what's going on now and why. You know, my dad does have a lot of mental health issues, and that's why he became an addict, and... You know, so it's that self-medicating thing that people yeah. like to do that kind of caught him. But I just think it's, in at least in my life, um, therapy would be really beneficial to the people around me, you know. And I've even seen it in the people around me that are in therapy that it's life changing (laughs) for, for me. I mean, there, I I wouldn't say that everything would work for me. You know, I know that there's all kinds of different therapies out there. Some people use like ketamine therapy. Um, you know, yeah, I don't know. So there's tons of different therapies and different things work for different people, but I think at least every person should have some kind of therapy at some time in their life. Where,
2: no, I agree.
3: Everybody goes through things, you know, and we don't always have the tools. No,
2: oh, absolutely. Were there changes in the ways that the household operated, um, family members included?
4: Oh, yeah, certainly. So I had been... Um, before my mom had passed away, I lived with her and my brother, and we lived in, in an apartment. You know, because they had broken up as a couple, and my mom just you know took co- custody. So mm-hmm. uh, then, after her death, my 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 aunt, my dad's sister, um, really fought hard for me to be with my dad in some shape or form, so that I could be close to you know, a parent still. Mm -hmm. So I was then placed in her care, which meant moving into her house. My dad rented out the apartment portion of the bottom of the house. And so she took on, as I've said, the other, like it became a new, I guess, dynamic as a couple, but completely platonic, obviously. Um but she was she was uh caring for me financially and working so hard where she had never even had plans to have kids before my dad was doing his best to care for me financially as well but yeah, there was a major shift in everything I moved completely households neighborhoods uh locations in the state mm-hmm. and yeah, everything changed
2: everything flipped just went like yeah. 180 shh okay well wow, that's that's interesting um and so just question uh, just cuz since we had mentioned the the socioeconomic um status making things potentially difficult or making things easier depending on Oops. the affluence um was there a shift do you feel was there a shift in socioeconomic status from where you moved or was it just like everything was the same boom no big deal
4: you know and that's that's kind of another I, as I'd like to look at it, I guess, um, silver lining, Mm -hmm. uh, my mom really struggled being a single mother trying to raise two kids with no degree. So yeah, we, when I was living with her, it was very, very low income, very paycheck to paycheck type situation. But Mm -hmm. having moved in with my aunt, Heather, um, things, financially changed a lot I was able to have these luxuries that I would have never been able to have I was able to she she was able to bring me these things like we would travel and go on vacations and I had nicer clothes I lived in a much nicer part of town Mm -hmm. and that was a blessing for sure I was able to have life experiences that since then I've never been able to recreate oh
2: wow Okay, yo. Um <clears throat> parental education level was lower and substance abuse, psychiatric disorder and criminality in the surviving parent were more common among children who lost a parent and particularly wow. common among those who lost a parent due to external causes of death. Wow. Yeah, interesting, right?
4: Yeah, sounds a little bit like the situation I had. <laughs>
2: yo, and and that's it's it's interesting you say that because as, you know, I was writing this, I'm like I wonder if there will be any connections or if, you know, this is just like a general general statement. And yeah, but interesting. Um, so adverse experiences and stress at key points in life could modify the development trajectory of the brain, leading to effects that emerge at a later period um, and loss of a secure relationship with the adult caregivers could be especially disruptive and difficult among young children. Wow. So
4: hmm. So what, what do you, I mean, I'm still, you know, understanding what that could mean. Like, could you break that down into some layman's terms for me?
2: Absolutely. So if you have a child whose parent has died, um, chances are, or statistically speaking, um, the parent, the parental education level of the surviving parent may end up being lower then, you know, because and, and and I don't understand how or why, but, you know, having a higher education level is, you know, correlated to surviving longer. Not to say that the person who died was uneducated, but it's just it's a, it's a correlation. And so as the children who are experiencing these types of things, we may end up um, gaining a an attachment towards a particular adult or we may end up gaining no attachments to adults because now we feel like if. I gain attachment to this person they may pass or I'm not sure how to deal with this uh this immensely stressful situation in my life. Um and so let's say for the sake of example. You have a parent let's say me for the fucking sake of example. Okay? Right. If I had so when I was in the air force I was doing histopathology, basically medical field shit that you can do out here in the civilian world. I planned on it. I was going to do that shit. But Based on the parent death, based on the rest of the trauma that happened in my life, based on how I ended up dealing with that trauma, definitely altered the trajectory of where I ended up. Now I'm doing social work, doing a podcast, fucking Mm. holding it down, rapping, doing all this, this, that, and the other because I have felt the void of depression and I don't want other people to feel that. So if there's anything that I can do to help, you know, I will try to do that yeah um and so just in that ex, in that uh example alone right um the that particular trauma changed the trajectory i could have just gone through the medical field say my dad didn't die right mm-hmm. stay in histopathology keep making hell of money and eh, no big deal fucking in the medical field eat my ass type thing right but it's um the, the people as they're growing we experience trauma differently or rather we we process trauma differently right. so one person who has a parent death or a close friend or pet death could just be like, well, ah, that's a part of life moving on, yeah. moving on. And then another person could be like, yo, that was the most literally the top five worst days of my life.
4: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's so true. And I think I, I wonder and I go back and forth if it was either because of my mom's death or because of the dynamic and the way that my dad is as an addict and whatnot, or maybe it's a little of both. But, you know, I I showed a lot of codependency, especially towards men in my teenage years. And, you know, that's probably got something to do with that trauma.
2: Yeah, maybe, you know. And so that's what I love about uh, human interaction is there's so many different variables as to why people do what they do. So, you know, it could have something to do with it, or it could just be like, yo, mama, I just I feel like I wanna fucking hang out with this person over here. You help me out, bro. Because that's yeah. just what you do. Cause you would you a dope ass dude and I'm a dope ass girl, you know what I'm saying? So you gonna come through, <laughs> you gonna help it out. Like there's many different variables for sure. Right. <laughs> so who were slash are your role models? Um, before let's say before 18.
4: I can distinctly remember this was a, an assignment in like fourth grade or something, you know, write a paper on your role model. Mm -hmm. And so my role model was absolutely my brother. Um, I don't really even have like.
2: And some of them, yeah, some of them do be hurting other people, but I mean, it's a constant struggle of what you're going on. Like what you've got going on within your own mind, like you're fucking mm -hmm. fighting a war in your head just to go throughout the day. Yeah, and I think the auditory is when it really gets a lot into more of what you're trying to like speak about, you know, mm-hmm. to where, you know, for this stuff, I have like, you know, um, with psychosis and, you know, having an auditory uh, stimuli, you know, I'll notice my thoughts, right? I know that I'm thinking and trying to navigate my own thoughts and, you know, I know that... <laughs> Like, your brain thinking is just a form of radiation. Like, it's just our brain producing, like, energy to, like, help us think and, like, Mm -hmm. you know, get through shit. So when I'm so caught in my head, like, sometimes I, I do hear shit. Like, I'll hear shit. Like, you'll hear, like, when I was younger, I used to hear a very hostile voice, very aggressive, very, like, wanting to hurt, you know? And this was, like ultimately what led me to going to uni which i don't know if all of you guys know that either um i've been to the university neuropsychiatric institute before they changed it to huntsman or something like that i'm not sure mm-hmm. um but it was the it was the weight of how real it felt like your body felt like you you're you're able to resist but once it gets to like a certain point where you're hearing it so loud and like you're you're feeling it in your body you know what i mean because like you hear it, it's not coming from your ears it's not coming from around you you know like it's inside you mm-hmm. you know so it gets to a point where like you as a person you start like you're 100% there you're you know but as you get further and further into the auditory like you know, uh, instruction, you know, you become like maybe 90% there. And then, you know, 10% of whatever they're saying, you know, you be 80%. And then next thing, you know, you're, you're like, you're in that distant place again. But this time, if you don't stop, you will hurt someone, Mm. you know? And I think a lot of people don't understand that auditory hallucinations can be some of the most like frustrating because you think. Because you have that inner conscious, because you talk to yourself, you know what you sound like and what's right, so you it's it's hard for you to determine like you know like how to make it stop right you know that's i'm I'm glad you said that as well because there's there's a there's a difference between you know having your own internal dialogue and you're saying like oh hey maybe I should do this or oh maybe I shouldn't or like oh I'm so dumb versus having someone aggressively yelling at you or whispering to you things that again you are not in control of these thoughts right and so right. it's it's I just want people to understand that because again like I've 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 experienced some um, visual hallucinations and audio hallucinations as well but um Being able to distinguish is, anyway. we're actually going to talk about that later. So how does does, uh, having, or living with psychosis, how does that affect your everyday life, your day-to-day? I will get to that. I just want to, I'm sorry, I don't want to like, the one Mm -hmm. I did, I do have a lot of visual, and I kind of wanted to touch on that just real quickly because I don't have too much uh, tasting and smelling, Um, but I do have a lot of visual to where like, And and this will directly go into the next question. I think I'll do both at the same time by answering how it affects my everyday life. Um, A lot of times when I talk to people... Or, like, if I'm in, like, a group of people and shit like that, like, I will, um, you know, again, you can see with your eyes and all that stuff. But, like, there will be, like, a little filter that gets laid onto your site at the same time where, like, you can see, like, people's true intentions. You can see, like, people's, like, I wouldn't say they're, like, avatars because, like, they've made that such a mainstream phrase now. But, like, who you really are inside. Like, who, you know, if you're a good person, if you're a bad person, if you're lost, if you, like, have good energy, if you have bad energy, if, like, you're, you know, you are you know, close to doing something crazy if you're not, if you're, you know, stuff that people really should know about each other, but you can't really ask and you can't expect people to tell you the truth about all the time. Like people are just going to say, I'm fine, you know? Yeah. Right. But the the filter itself, like, like people have colors to them. You know what I mean? Like people have like, and, and I say color, but like it's, like I don't know. It's, it's yeah. If, if you could like imagine aura, but like, you know, It was fluid, right? Mm. It was, like, more fluid. Like, people can, you can change your colors. You know what I'm saying? Like, this kind of stuff. And you are just a collection of where you are now, you know? And that's why I don't hold grudges against people. Because, like, the fact that you're alive means you've made it through. You know Mm. what I'm saying? But a lot of people do. And I'm like, all right, whatever. That's cool. Just don't bring me no nonsense because, like, I'm I'm not here for it. (laughs) I ain't got time for the nonsense. So it does affect my everyday life because, like, you know, I, I have to, I have to deal with people, right? I make music, like I work. Okay. I'm a freaking husband. I'm a dad. Like, you know, I'm, I try to be there for my boys. Like you, like, you know, it affects my everyday life because like the fact that I'm alive and I've seen so many of my friends die young, I've seen people that I thought would never leave me, leave me. Like it does affect my everyday life. It reminds me that every little avatar out there that like, you know, they, they need something. They, that's why I'm always reaching out. How are you guys doing? What's good? I'm going to drop a new song just because I feel like it. How's your mom? How's your friend's mom? And, like, don't get me wrong. Sometimes, like, the chats get, like, hella out of control. I can't, like, keep up with all of it. But for the most part, like, it affects my everyday life because, like, we're all in this together. And it's important for me to show people that you don't have to struggle alone. Everyone I know is struggling. Mm -hmm. But as long as I'm reaching out, like, we're in it together. Right. That's how it affects my everyday life. That's good. Don't come for me. No,
4: but this is actually fun.
1: It's informative because I've already learned a couple of things that I didn't know or things that I hadn't thought about.